Hi, guys. Welcome back to Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview, and I am dead excited. I have got Lindsay Jewell here with me. Lindsay is a woman of many, many talents uh, and who has done a hell of a lot in her life. She has also gone through a hell of a lot of trauma, like me. And this is not a pissing contest, but in all fairness, I mean, she would win probably, okay? So it is, there is a lot that she has gone through and, and she is trying to make sense uh, of it all. And I'm so excited to have her on the show because it is, we're going to explore some, some aspects of recovery and some aspects of addiction that maybe are a bit, maybe controversial, uh, maybe a bit, a uh, bit out there. But then again, it is, these are our experiences and uh, let's, let's not, let's not rule things out. Let's actually talk honestly about what, what we have believed and uh, what we have experienced as, as people and, and where that has led us. So today I've got a very passionate uh, bringer of hope, a fellow a traveler, um, Lindsay Jewell. I'm dead excited to have you on my show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank mm. you for having me on your show. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. It's it's and see the universe meant us to really talk to each other because normally I never have the time. So Lindsay and I we're both sitting here at the allotted time and twiddling our thumbs because somehow <laughs> the gods of the internet didn't send out the right the right things, and so we actually had the patience to sit around for 40 minutes and then uh, that's right that's right you actually you had sent an email out and said uh, am i getting some information here or what that email didn't come through for ages so something stopped us doing it and as it so happens instead of me running immediately away to work uh, today i'm starting a bit later and here we are so it was all meant to be but it was also the, the challenge was meant to be. So therefore, I'm, I'm like a child. We had to wrap open yeah, one carton after the other, after the other. You know, sometimes parents play that game. So you get that kind of carton present and ultimately get this much gift because there are 15 <laughs> cartons in there. It's the same with us finally coming to the interview here. I know. And I was like, this guy stood me up. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And I said the same other way around. But here you go. So so our 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 uh sixth sense, however, did tell us to hang around for a bit. And that's unusual. Normally after 15 minutes, I bugger off and do something else. Uh in this particular case, there you go. Something led us. And 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 sometimes there are forces out there that hey, you know, uh it is quite cool. But I mean, that is us now. Um <laughs> we both have been in other places and we both have been in other situations where our life was far less laughter and far more darkness, etc. Yes. So, but again, that's not how we start out. How did you start out as a child? I mean, you were, uh, tell us a little bit when you were a girl growing up, what were your dreams? What was going on? What in well, your mind, who, who did you want to be? I wanted to be an archeologist. <laughs> Excellent. Or an, or, an, or an astronomer. Um, but I ended up picking a career in human resources management. So that makes no sense at all. <laughs> okay. So similar, right? So yeah, yeah no, no. Um, but um yeah, through unfortunately at six is when um the first big trauma of my life happened, and that was childhood um 
I'll just, I'll just call it what it is, is childhood molestation. It was a neighbor, you know, and he molested us and other boys. I don't know if you've heard the whole Boy Scout thing. This guy was a Boy Scout leader. I'm obviously a female. Mm. Um, that um, That's what, unfortunately, uh, did a big part of the damage um, because I was six. And um, I believe and from learning from psychology and stuff that when you're zero between zero and seven, if trauma had happened to you, your cognitive, your, you know, what you're supposed to experience in the mind, um, you have a harder time coming out of that because your brain was kind of processing through things that you shouldn't be processing at that time, you know, mm -hmm. but if you're older, you might have more of a chance to get those normal thoughts mm -hmm. back, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, not only, did this happen? We had to go to the trial. The guy got convicted, um, tried to come kidnap us from school. Um, so I learned to stuff my emotions because my brother also was a, a victim of that. And he gave more signs of like germophobia. Um, and this was in the late eighties. So this was, um, you know, for a long time, that kind of stuff was a hush hush thing or people didn't talk about it, but, um, this became a big news thing. So that was, difficult to process as a child, you know, thinking this was somebody I trusted. So I must be bad because something bad's happening to him. And, and these are where distorted beliefs start forming in the brain, unfortunately, and seeing all the chaos happening to my parents and my mother's a nurse. She used to work night shifts when we were children and my dad's an engineer. And um, knowing that they're upset, but thinking I upset them or we upset them it, because as a child you can't put all that you're not supposed to at six <laughs> you are not supposed to understand all of that having detectives come in in kindergarten asking very explicit questions um that's still a hard thing for me um I can't I don't use very overly explicit words because I think of what being a kindergartner and having detectives go, did this happen? Did you see this body part that really, you know, stopped something in my brain? And, um, but I learned to stuff emotions because I didn't want my parents to be upset anymore about, you know, um, what was going on, all the chaos. Um, and that's where I learned to, like I said, just shut down. And then at 12, I know, I'm sorry, at 10 um, is where the cutting came in. Um, makes sense now because I had so much emotions flowing through my body. I didn't know the outlet. And, um, um, you know, during this time, my, I have great, I, I have loving, really great parents. I do. And nobody, no parents come with a manual of what to do in case of X, Y, Z happening. And, and, you know, you just hope that you're not one of those. So I, I love my parents and um, they did put us in therapy, but in the nineties or yeah, in the early nineties, it was, Oh, you had trauma. Here's these pills. Take these pills, take these pills, take these pills, take these pills. It'll make it all the monsters go away. And that was my perception. You know, if I take this Prozac, well, be whatever the heck, you know, the medicine was, that all that feeling would, you know, disappear. And um, it, unfortunately, it wasn't going away. 
And then, you know, comes me trying to overdose to get attention because I'm not understanding why my brother's getting more attention because he's acting out and I'm left kind of the sideline. Um, what did you overdose with? And and before you overdosed, obviously you you did you start dabbling in in medications and drugs, or was it an overdose of the prescription medicines that you had been? Yeah, given? when so it was kind of like, and I think I was like I said, ten eleven because I you know cut because I'd learned that from a movie I'd watched and thought, well, hey, it must have worked somewhere. Somebody wrote a movie about it, and mm. um, I understand the relief. You know, it's an addiction in itself, mm. and. Um, But I, I believe it was, I want to say Prozac or something like that, that they gave me. I've been on, I was switched off on so many different medications throughout my life and, and labeled with so many different disorders. It was like a psychiatrist would just spin a wheel and be like, diagnosis of the day is manic depressive with slash anxiety disorder slash now it's PTSD slash anxiety with, you know, and <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Um My, I have one brother and he's a few years older than me, but he got into drugs um, at a younger age and I saw him getting the attention. So at 15 is when I got into uh, cocaine was my first drug of choice because I don't have a drug of choice and people ask me how to drug of now. <laughs> but um, when I got, when I did the cocaine, um, It was one of those things I said, I'll never do that. I'll never do this. And I'll never do that. Like, I remember the dare guy coming to school in elementary school with the big old kit and saying the effects. And I was like, oh, oh my God, you know, so it's crazy how you say you'll never do these things. And then yeah, you somehow end up doing them. And um, so tell, tell me, what did the cocaine give you? Can you remember? At first, at first. It did nothing. I mean, because I guess I didn't know what to expect the feelings to be. It was really weird. But the next time I did it, because of course I had to do it again, because, you know, something. Well, it in that moment, in that moment, it felt like what I would describe, whatever heaven would feel like in that moment. I had no emotional pain. I I felt powerful powerful but not in a bad way I felt untouchable like there was no emotions there there was no hurt emotions I was happy I was excited I was talkative <laughs> and I was like this is why why did they why did the world say this stuff is bad they are lying all along that was my perception these people are liars because this helped me real fast And um, at that time, you know, I had worked and saved up a couple grand and um, my father was going to help me get a car. I'll tell you what, that couple of grand was gone in a month and we're 15. And this was when minimum wage was like 420 something. And so it was a big deal to save up that money. And next thing you know, we're scraping change in a bag to give this dealer. Yeah, great. You know. And it just, um, unfortunately with that, I knew within a few weeks that I was addicted and that I chased that high off and on for 20 plus years. It is an absolutely baffling drug out of all the ones that I have done, <laughs> unfortunately mm. to say that. 
Um, you keep chasing that one time feeling of euphoria <laughs> and all you get is paranoia. <laughs> you, you, at one time I talked a lot and the next thing, you know, I just was, I mean, I could be on a hundred story building and think the cops are looking in, you know, <laughs> for some reason it's, it's horrible. Don't miss that at all. Don't miss that at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting it's interesting most most young people end up with alcohol or maybe marijuana you went straight for cocaine was that uh, an availability issue was that I um, mean, how so did I you had get tried okay so I um I had tried pot weed marijuana whatever you would call it and just for some reason my body doesn't like it I get sick I get okay. sick and I just want to throw up I feel like I'm spinning so just not really appealing to me. Alcohol um, tastes disgusting. And um, I just, <laughs> the only time I, I drank is when I wasn't legally allowed to because it was exciting, you know? But um, honestly, the most bad experiences I've had in this lifetime were from alcohol relate people like being on alcohol that did really bad things um i still have a problem with why that one's acceptable and the others are not acceptable um mm. drugs because i have seen people do very bad bad things not on drugs but on alcohol absolutely and then i watched my uncle die of alcoholism at 45 and i didn't know a human being could a human being could be highlighter yellow highlighter yellow <laughs> mm. Um, so yeah, the, the cocaine was, um, God, that was, uh, you know, and it was so glad it was so glamorous, so appealing. I mean, even as a teenager, I was going to parties with kids from school, like their parents who were executive workers. So I was like, this is the life I want. Nice house, nice cars, lots of money cocaine plates <laughs> I mean that was happiness that mm. was at that moment that's what I'm searching for it looks great you know but unfortunately um you need more money and then you end up somehow with nothing you know it's yeah, just, funny that is yeah. isn't it amazing yeah that's right <laughs> yes and oh, no matter God. how much money you have enough is there's never enough it is just absolutely horrible and if you tell me that you were cokehead and you didn't look on the ground for cocaine, then I don't believe you. Mm. You know, I have tried so much popcorn stealing. When I was... <laughs> uh huh. And it always gets stuck in your nose, isn't it? It's it's a bad thing. I'm Absolutely. Being honest. <laughs> I hear it's you. It's horrible when it gets to that point, you know. And you. my mother, um, you know, put me in treatment when I was um, an adolescent. Of course, we did where they give us our schoolwork there. So we did treatment um, and did our homework. Actually went to a kind of high school for kids who had addiction problems where we got drug tested and stuff. Um, but like I said, I do these things and it was kind of hush hush and get back to reality, get back on track, go to college and do this stuff. So that's kind of the life. I had to be this winning kid because my brother seemed to fall off the path. So I had to be the one that was gonna go to college and make everybody proud. Yeah. Can I go yeah, one no. step back? What about your parents? Did they enjoy a drink? 
uh, did they maybe enjoy escaping reality for other ways? So, and my mother, I'll have her watch this, so I don't, she, I don't care. <laughs> um, my, my parents are not addicts. Now, I, I see my dad, they're social wine drinkers. They're older now, but as children, no. My mother is a, a nurse. She never has done drugs in her life. Um, my father, like I said, he was adopted. Now his, his half brother died of, in Germany of a heroin overdose. He didn't really know him, you know? So I, I'm still kind of baffled with, is there an addictive gene or is it your circumstances of what you're, you're raised around or what trauma you've experienced that make you more susceptible to addiction? Cause it's not like my parents were slinging liquor and and doing all this they're, they're workaholics is what they are that is their coping that i'm and and i believe everybody has their coping mechanism mm. and and they do my parents won't even take vacation days mm. they'll go to work with the plague you know so i think I, that's <laughs> and it's it's hard sometimes to 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 distinguish there is that actually a coping mechanism or is that an addiction in its own right Because one of the things that you can do if if the world is not so nice, you just keep working, working, working yep. and forget about it. So again, you're escaping your own reality by actually yep. throwing yourself into your work. And, yep. you know, there, there could be that argument. Um, with regards to genetics, it's hard with your dad being adopted. Yep. But the, the fact that your uncle um, died of a heroin overdose is maybe a little giveaway. Um, well, and- he wasn't biological. I mean, he's my aunt's, my mom's sister. See, he wasn't like my... I see, so it's not a biological thingy. Yes, yeah, right. But interest, interesting, so my father is a twin. He has a twin sister. Now, her both of her kids, because she's got, you know, my cousins, mm. they struggle with addiction. Mm. So I'm blaming my father's side. Is really what I'm doing here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> hey, <laughs> when the shoe fits, um, no, don't German. blame him. Don't it's blame him. He can't, no. he can't do. Oh, oi, um, <laughs> he can't do anything about his genes. Uh, the uh, the problem is that there are at least 50 genes out there that can contribute to addiction. So, can you blame your genes? I wouldn't call them blaming but they might make you more susceptible mm -hmm. to then when you experience trauma and have no other coping mechanisms have not learned anything to then rely on the dopamine rush that yep. you experience with alcohol or other drugs yep. and if if any of you are listening who are not in the A special club that we are in the the, the reality is don't join it <laughs> no no but also you need to have you need let like, what do i want to say the dopamine rush that an addict experiences the first time around that he gets high is out of this world this is this is just something wow so when you have a um an experience you think oh yeah okay that's nice There is no such a thing for an addict. It's not just nice. That is, wow, yeah. I love it. I, yep. Wow, where have you been all my life? That kind of an experience. Our dopamine levels are two times, uh, 200 <laughs> times higher than, than a normal person's. Uh, when you look at the rush that, that one experiences then. So 
there you are. So that is that is what you and I have experienced. And, and it's very easy to actually um, fall into that trap because it feels so, if it feels so good, might can't be wrong, can it? Um, yes. And, and it we, we start building our own beautiful, um, beautiful belief system around that. Mm -hmm. I'm not an alcoholic. Uh, look, I'm actually going to work. She affected I was still drinking two hours before I went to work is a completely yep. different story. Um, so yep. were you a high functioning addict? Um, were you keeping uh, a job? Um, honestly, I'd hold one and then I'd end up losing it because, you know, I get the efforts. Effort. I'll just get another one or, you know, I don't need one now or, or whatever. Parents will save me. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, it's kind of felt that way throughout my whole life. Um, and like you were explaining, I like how you put that with um, the dopamine. You know, I uh, it's not only, you know, illicit drugs. It was like relationships, too, that I'd feel that and I had to learn that the hard way. Um, I remember meeting a guy and this was my distorted thinking. I was a cokehead. He was a heroin addict. It could work out because we're in a sober place. And we did. And we did stay sober for nine months. But the labels that we put on ourselves, like, if long as I'm clean from cocaine, I'm good, right? But you could drink or you could. And that's how you learn. It's a, it's a fun learning process of what you can and cannot do. You know, and it progresses, though, unfortunately, until you learn all those little fun lessons, you know, because <laughs> is, this, is this all too familiar? <laughs> oh, please, please. I mean, the co-addiction um, that it is. You have, you've got, OK, you think, oh, no, 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 I'm just fine. See, I haven't drunk for a bit or I have not used uh, whatever. Like and then, everybody else is bad. They're bad. Needle users are bad. Uh, I'm an upscale drug addict. That's I'm right. I only snort. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yep. But eventually uh, the story continues and, you know. <laughs> Dear me. And it is, it's, it's, that is what co-addiction is. And so many uh, yeah. of us are falling into the trap, often in a less noticeable way. Um, if you look at, uh, at the amount of sugar I consumed in my early recovery, it was no longer oh. funny. It was, please, Chocolate, sweets. There were sweets carbon, everywhere. Yeah. Chocolate everywhere. Um, to where you have to puke, where you uh, want to puke. That's how much you want gorgeous. I've been there. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> exactly. And it's just weird. Uh, and and you don't accept it. And whilst people tell you about that in, in early recovery, um, it, is, it is a very hard one not to do. Okay. It yeah. is nowadays I have weaned myself off that as well. Mm -hmm. So I've weaned myself off the sugar. Um, I'm still struggling with the emotional overeating because the mm -hmm. underlying problems, however far I've come on my path, are still there. I still want to satisfy a craving with, oh, let's just eat something. Oh, that feels so good. Mm. And, and that typically happens at 11 o'clock at night. So it's it's those kind of things. So yeah, it's an ongoing struggle. And mm -hmm. that's where I have to say, once you're an addict, once you have been admitted to that club, it's a lifetime membership. Well, and, and yep. your mind, when you quit substance, 
still has other sabotaging methods Mm. that it wants to utilize Mm. and whatever, you know, mine, I used to self mutilate and that stopped. So, but your brain wants to lash out for a fix of, Mm. I don't like this emotion. What do we, what can we do? We're not going to go to option one because option one leads us to bad places. Yeah. Option two, it's not good either. Option three, maybe the, you know, cause I'm the opposite of overeating. I'm an, like under eater. It's like I, when stress comes, like I don't even think about food, huh. but in a sense, it's a self-sabotaging. It's, it's a, just to hit in a different receptor. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, and um, yeah. And so, we put all these different labels. It's just, God, of talking to you just makes me go, God, did my, my poor soul that I put myself, all the stuff I put myself through and all the characters that were in this nice storyline of mine were, oh, <laughs> you know, just like, what was I thinking? But it's okay, you know, because uh, I'm here today. But yeah, I um, I would stay sober and then I'd, my crashes happened in relationships. That was always my crash because I'd pick, um, I'd usually pick somebody who stood for exactly the opposite of what I did for some reason. I love honesty. I chose a liar, you know? I, I mean, just, it was weird. The kind of, uh, the fighting and making up, you gotta fight, cause it's a rush, right? It's a rush to have these intense fights about nothingness. <laughs> and then fast fueled, you know what, after that, and it's a high, and then let's love each other, and then let's go through this domestic violence cycle all over again, you know, and um, you think you'll find your cure in love, you know, that's my cure, no, that's just another addiction for you, you know, it it is a painful, and I went to college, you know, um, I, I do have a bachelor's degree, which means nothing now with a criminal charges, you know? Um, so I don't preach to my children like that. I mean, college is great. Don't get me wrong, but, um, uh, I mean, it means nothing when you're labeled, uh, when you finally get to the bottom end, the three ways that addiction ends is what jails institutions death. So when you max all those out, uh, a bachelor's degree means nothing. I used to do recruiting now I'm on those background checks that I used to do. Okay. <laughs> so you're an overachiever, in other words. That's <laughs> a, I like that. I like that. That's on. See, yeah. most people, they end up in, in one or the other. They're, typically, once you're dead, well, there's not much coming back from that, although we might come to that. Um, yeah. There is a, yeah. <laughs> most of the people don't come back. Um, <laughs> so if you're an institution and get clean, um, mm-hmm. that's good. So I, I would call it, uh, either dead, uh, in jail or in recovery. That's sort of the, the three options that I typically quote. Um, yep. you have done all of them. That's not I've maxed them out. I that's am an right. overachiever. You're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm, I have to give you credit for, for, um, ticked that, tick that. That wasn't bad. I tried that again. Um, the, <laughs> when was the first time that you get in, in trouble with the law? Um, at age 33. So I, you know, worked corporate world, uh-huh. lost a job because it fell back into a, a cocaine binger. Um, I did join the military. I quit all the substance, went into the military, but my child, the child molester got out of prison because he was only sentenced to 22 years. People don't know sex offender laws changed in the early nineties in the U S at least. Okay. 
And now they get life sentences. They know that that kind of uh, poison won't ever get rid of itself, maybe. Um, So I was, uh, I was, God, this was 2011. And my unit was getting, we were training because we're getting deployed to Iraq. I didn't end up going, but um, so we were training and my brother called me and told me that the guy had got out of prison. They wanted us to retestify because he went and worked for a youth camp and went and reoffended. And oh. I had thought all that trauma was behind me. I really did because I went to therapy and for some reason it must've been cured, right? No. So I went right back into what the only coping mechanism that I knew that works really fast. And plus I was in an unhealthy marriage again. Oh. And um, so um, I, I did get general under honorable conditions out of the, the army. And um, at that point, I was pretty defeated. Now, at and you said, time, sorry, dishonorable, did you say? No, general under honorable. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Oh, okay. So a dishonorable is what you don't want. That means yeah. you're just screwed. Yeah. yeah. So meaning there's honorable or or general under honorable conditions. That means that you can still get your benefits, your your right. um, VA benefits and stuff like yeah. that. Sorry. What, <laughs> was there was there a recognition at that time within your unit or within the army in general terms to provide you with assistance? So unfortunately in the military, if it was alcohol, because I, I failed a UA in the in the army, um, I failed for cocaine. If I had failed for, if it would have been alcohol, I would have been able to get treatment and have been uh-huh. fine. But since it was, um, since they were downsizing at that time in the uh-huh. military, it was kind of everybody goes and that's how the military works. You're either, you could either screw up and do no wrong and, and they need you. Or, or when they're downsizing, they're, they're flicking everybody out. And, of and, course. It's fine because for the rest of my life, um, you know, I, I get paid, I get medical benefits and mm. it's a blessing when I look back at it, mm. you know, um, something has always aligned up for my higher good. It really has. I just didn't see it at that time. All I saw mm. was darkness and life is destined for pain. Mm. Mm. And um, now at that time, I injured, like most people in the military, my back and was dished out a lot of pain pills. Mm. Um, and so then came the pain pill addiction mm. and, um, after pain pill doesn't come marriage, it comes heroin. <laughs> Sounds like some horrible nursery rhyme. First comes pills. Then comes, okay. <laughs> then comes you in handcuffs because uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> what led know. to the handcuffs? Um, so, I had divorced from my second husband and went to clean myself up because I actually had to come to terms and tell my mother I'm on a substance that I can't do myself. Um, that was hard. Um, opiates are a total different ball game than cocaine. You're physically, it's a, it's a horrible physical dependence. Um, probably like alcohol though. I haven't experienced that one, but you know, the physical need for it just to feel normal is what you chase. Mm. There's no high. Um, so as an adult, after not having a husband and I, I had kids and stuff, it was like, well, where do you find friends? So guess where I met my friends at? At treatment centers, because I have such a heart of gold, right? I couldn't <laughs> believe that these people had these sad stories like me, right? But I wanted to take care of them all. Oh, you know, dear. I had, yeah. 
I'm a savior. <laughs> I'm a rescuer. Oh, I'm talk about take... codependency. The... <laughs> what? Oh, no. Beautiful. I don't know that word. <laughs> oh, dear. You're really could... tra- trying absolutely everything, aren't you? That's right. So the. Yeah, like, you're like a social butterfly, but for you, it's addictions or other mental health uh, challenges. Okay, yes. I've, I've tried that. That's nice. That's the color purple. Okay, now let's try. Oh, this this flower looks nice. Yeah, shiny. Yeah. Should I call you Dory? Or or and also yeah. in the in the process of doing that, I love helping people. I have since I was little. I've always wanted to, but you learn. Well, I had to learn boundaries eventually in my adult life. But at this time, I really thought I bonded with these people. The only thing I had in common with these people was a destructive nature and addiction. But I didn't see that at the time. I um, By helping others, it was taking the focus off me because I felt like I wasn't worthy enough to take care of myself. And it's a high in itself when you help people. Mm-hmm. And it can be a healthy, a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Because that's why I'm sharing my story now. Mm-hmm. Um, in hopes that somebody hears it and says, I get it. And I, you know, and, and, and that's a healthy high, Mm. but at this time in my life, that wasn't the healthy that I needed. And so I got around people who were more known as the street version of addiction. Cause I was kind of a closet user. Okay. Where I just used in my home. I didn't associate with other people. Cause then that would mean I'd have to pay for them too. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's the truth, but um so I became <laughs> so I became I got around, you know, um uh, people of a different uh what's the term that's polite, different level of addiction. Maybe they didn't have homes, they didn't have income. And I felt so that was so sad to me. So let's invite them into my house. And I don't want you to be sick here, have drugs. And, and, and you know, like, and then I got involved with their baggage, uh, right? Uh, because I didn't know that term for a long time. I carried a thousand pounds on my back already. Let me just take another thousand here and there, you know, because maybe you'll like me. Maybe you'll accept me. Maybe you'll love me. Maybe you'll help me. You know, it's sad. It's sad. And I make it sarcastic because, Uh I mean, I don't sit and dwell on it. It's been a hard learning experience. But um, so, yeah, my first uh, criminal charge, I do have one possession charge. That's Uh I don't know what else to expect out of that one. Um, But I did get involved in the criminal world and, um, you know, just simply hanging out with other people doing bad stuff. And that that honestly as much bad as bad stuff that I had thought I had done, I was okay with the charge I got. And it was a burglary charge and it wasn't even like that. Okay. But that's what it is. And that's what I got labeled it. But I was like, is all the times I've shoplifted in my life. That was okay. That's how my mind thinks. So, you know, I try to see the bigger picture out of things. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I did probation and I learned that they really don't, you know, you got to figure it out. Um, the legal system, people would say, is out. It's set up for failure. No, it's. It, I don't know how it is in different countries. Okay, but it is not set up for failure. You set yourself up for that failure. They want you to get clean. That's all they want you to do is is get clean and preoccupy your time by groups and NA or whatever healthy mechanisms, right? So you get in a routine. 
you're the one that makes it hard on yourself by going, nope, I'm going to go back to these people in the same playground and you're not going to tell me how to live my life, dad, you know, like little kids. (laughs) That's interesting. Um, What kind of experiences did you have when when it came to treatment programs? Um, Did you equally collect your nice collection of treatment programs as you did your nice collection of uh, I have a great trophies of treatment programs yes I've been to yes I received a certification and a chip for each excellent (laughs) I and also sabotaged because people told me I do so great because I was so god and because they believed in me I can do so great and so I had to sabotage that right when I walked out the gates of treatment you know it's 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 baffling and I'm very compassionate towards myself now about what I've experienced and, and how sad it is of what I believed that I was nothing. Even though I knew I had this great heart, I believed it was a curse. I have a beautiful heart and I live by the golden rule, treat others the way you wanna be treated. So people that have experienced the same traumas that I have, mm. I have a trauma bond with them, okay? <laughs> Good old trauma bond. And I never want anybody to experience those moments where I felt less than or alone or just wanted to be seen because wanted to die. You know, like those moments of life where you're like, please, somebody say hi to me because I'm about to just off myself. You know, like I never want anybody Mm. to to feel those moments. Um, And I always, you know, read things. I grew up Catholic. That's unconditionally loving God with other conditions that I didn't fit into. (laughs) Um, You know, I don't, I I kept wondering why I had this huge heart. My mom always said, I'm all heart and I need to figure out to connect that brain with my heart. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I was like, well, they talk about it. This is in the Bible, like, you know, all this heart stuff, but I felt like it was a curse. People used me. People stomped on me. You know, people were like, she's so nice. Let's take advantage of her. You know, mm-hmm. I had to learn. It took me a long time to learn boundaries. Like I'm just now getting there. Boundaries are because I, I put boundaries in place, mm-hmm. but um, quickly I'd somehow not stick with them. <laughs> Uh, if you ever, if this person ever does that, I swear, you know, and no, I, cause I wanted acceptance and love from people. I wanted to feel validated and, um, it, it just, it sucks. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think I've been to a total of, uh, my God, I think the, I think the key is, is usually seven treatment centers before you get it right. Or, yeah. I, I, you know. And each treatment center has taught me something. It's just one day it all comes together. It's really weird. It's really like the light bulb. The light bulb goes off. I was about to say, so here you are, obviously, still the addict. But this this time, the addict who has some some real shift up there. You have transformed. What was the catalyst? What changed you? What made you suddenly (laughs) become interested in in uh, not rescuing others but rescuing yourself and actually 
it, it giving care. a shit about yourself and actually saying, hey, yes, I actually love you, warts and all, uh, and you are worth something. You're not worthless. There is hope. What was that switch? So, so um, unfortunately, it's taken turmoil and agony and um, a couple really attempted suicides. Um, something hasn't wanted me, hasn't, something apparently does not want me gone from this place. Mm. Um, my first one, uh, you know, I, I jumped out of a moving vehicle after a bad sexual assault, the stuff that happens in that dark world of drugs. Mm. You get around really sick people mm. and um, got a head injury. I swear to God, that head injury did something and rewired things in a good way. And there is a medical terminology for it. I don't have it next to me with the notes because I was researching it because Jeff Mara had told me about it where people have these strokes or head injuries and then they get abilities where they can play the piano or something. Like I swear to God, something rewired in my brain. All of a sudden I could think positive and forgive people. And I started this healing. I started this internal healing and, um, but I felt like I'd hit rock bottom and eternally like lost myself, which I did. Right. And then, you know, I have this beautiful spiritual awakening and I don't know, you can call it a Kundalini awakening or a, I think Shamati is what they call I don't, I think that's what they call it. I mean, actual trust, you can call it whatever. I knew something was, I could feel this presence around me and, um, I knew something was going to help me heal. Right. And um, I really thought that part of my chapter was closed at that point because, oh, you have a spiritual awakening. You're good to go. Yeah. Nobody really writes the second part of that for some people. Maybe it's just me, the overachiever. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I was like, yeah, got this healed. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I'm just interested to to hear your your words that that you're you're your subconscious brings out of your mouth. There is nowhere <laughs> Jesus Christ. There is nowhere the Catholic Church. There is no God. Uh, it is extraterrestrial. It's more spiritual awakening. It's an interesting one. So I would have, I would have, not I would have. So, it's just I noticed that. So in those moments that I've experienced these things, and there's a lot of detail to it, and it comes out really sporadic. If I was to tell you during our time limit, right? You know. Um, I believe in all, and I don't want to say it's my belief system. I believe it doesn't matter where you are in life, whatever your belief system, that religion, if you want to call it religion, Jesus will come to you if that's who you resonate with. Buddha will come to you if that's who you resonate with. Krishna will come to you if that's who you believe. You know, that's, does that make sense? Mm. <laughs> because I remember opening the Bible and it was like talking to me, like it, wake up, wake up. Everything was telling me to wake up, you know? Um, I could open um, and I cannot say the name. It is like the Krishna version called the Bhagavad guy. Mm. I cannot say it. Mm. Opening that one up. And it was telling me like the steps that I lived to enlightenment. Mm. Mm. I think in you reality, know? when the time is right, even if you open the San Francisco telephone book, yep. um, that would still send you a message. If you're actually ready to, 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 to actually make the change. That is correct. I love, yep, mm. I am glad you put it that way. You could open a comic Anything. strip and That's it talks right. to you. 
Exactly. I'm serious. That is, it's telling you to wake yeah. up. Yeah. And tell so there's you something to, out there that you've experienced where you suddenly felt, wow, a power around you and something rattling your cage and say, okay, even, come on, girl. You've even radio enough. stations. I don't know. Yeah. If, I mean, I think most people have experienced like being in their car, maybe going through a dark moment. All of a sudden they turn the radio station and all of a sudden it's usually a gospel station that's or preaching or, or singing a mm. song that's about your life that's mm. going on right at that moment. Mm. Like there are signs that we are around us all day and sometimes we don't want to see them. Mm. But one day we will see them, hopefully, you know. And of course, the skeptic would say that is how the whole business of horoscopes is being created. You're just so vague, uh, yet uh, specific enough that it is oh, meaningful for you. There will be a change today in your life. Yes, what? that could be the weather or it could be whatever. And You've lost so, something. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's the skeptic in me says, oh, yeah, right. And yet at the same token, um, there are forces out there. There is, there is, there's so much more out there than we can grasp. There's as simple as that. Oh, yesterday, yeah. yesterday again, I was, I was uh, driving down and uh, driving down to, to a, a, um, a big intersection. I was standing there looking across to a woman on her bike. And there was no way that she could have seen me looking at her because literally it was sort of, I was 45 degrees towards her, uh, her six or 730 kind of in, on, the, on the clock. And she looked around, looked straight in my eyes uh, and she had felt, she had perceived that I was looking at her. And how the hell did she know that? There is no sense to pick that up. I was not driving my car. There were 15,000 cars around us. How the hell did she look in my eyes? Exactly in my eyes, not just in my direction. And you sort of think, but yeah, come on. So how does that work? So there's so many other things out there that we haven't yet understood or which we don't know. So I think that's, that's fair to say. Where do you draw the line between or, or normal? Um, I'm not normal, so I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be normal either, whatever that. Normal people scare me, okay? They scare me too. I like to be weird. So something something switched you. So something was there to actually say, okay, bang. Yeah, Um, so even like when I got out of a treatment center, I remember saying, we're going to stay sober this time. You mm. know, we're going to stay sober. And I remember seeing, and it was weird, all of a sudden, I kept thinking, um, I was so scared because I just had always relapsed, always relapsed. I didn't want to repeat the cycle. Mm. And I remember seeing a hearse pass, a funeral thing. And then all of a sudden a police car. And it was like reminding me, this is what happens. This is what will happen or can happen, you know? And I was like, how did those both pass at different, you know, it was, it was weird. Mm. But, um, you know, there is a force, I feel like Luke Skywalker, there was a force, but there, <laughs> there is a force. We are not the only people on this universe. You know, if that was the case, I'd be scared. I'd be oh. scared if we were the only planet with this human beings here, I'd be scared. Yeah. That's all. That's it. That's a, here we are. This is intelligent life. Yeah, no. No. Um, <laughs> at the moment, there's not much intelligence around. <laughs> so, no, I, yeah. I don't subscribe to that. <laughs> <laughs> 
hit my like and subscribe button. Yeah, no. Um, so what's what's crazy is even after you go through this interesting spiritual awakening where you can see signs clear, the world becomes clearer to you. Um, for me, synchronicities um, is something I'm I picked up on. I see number patterns. I'll hear. I'll call them messages. That's the only way I can describe them. Like it's when you hear something at the right time, right moment, when all of a sudden you're talking to someone, you're like, how did you say that? I was just thinking that, or, mm. you know, moments like that, mm. there are higher beings. And I don't want anybody to be biased. If I don't say angels, or if I don't call them this correctly, I'll say beings. Um, they're highly can go through us and talk through us mm. and, and, help us for the better you know but i also think there are dark things i don't want the best it's like a parasite but even after i felt that presence my mind was healing right like my mind body and spirit were healing let me say that um i thought like i was cured like i got this i got this like i don't have to worry about bad things ever again like i've done all that and I was yet to face another lesson. And that was January of this year where, um, you know, I fell back into, I learned the valuable lessons that relationships were a very big problem for me. Um, I, I've heard some of your shows, I think, talk about this, the narcissist, um, I will label myself as a complete and utter empath. <laughs> and, um, you know, you end up attracting, I don't, it's not like planned, but a very sick person. And um, this one was the worst out of the worst I'd been with. And they take everything from me. It feels like they take your soul at the end. And, um, you know, of course, uh, substance came back into play and, um, oh God, I was defeated, but I'm, 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 so I tried to, um, actually I did, I, I aimed to kill this time, meaning myself. And I was done. I was done. I was like, I had a spiritual awakening and I must've screwed that up because I'm, I'm miserable. Mm. I'm miserable. Like I thought this was my soulmate some will even claim him as twin flames i don't want to break anybody's concept to that word if you're familiar with it in the spiritual world mm -hmm. maybe people do have a better half but they make it to where it's okay to be abused by somebody that's your twin flame you expect them to to abuse you because that's what they mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. they cheat on you and they they hurt you and they emotionally abuse you because that's a reflection of you, but your soulmates, it, it is. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that term. And, mm. and like, if you look up empath and narcissist and you look up twin flames, you will see exactly the same meaning one in psychological form and one in spiritual terminology. Okay. So um, this person had, Oh man, God, he, he did a number. Right. And, and, um, I was like, I'm done because heartache, I love really hard. So hard. Of course I do everything extreme. So I love really hard. <laughs> oh, I'm going to give you everything. Mm. 
And so it hurts when it hurts. And um, he had brought out every trauma that I swear I'd ever lived through. And because of that situation, at least I realized that I hadn't dealt with a lot. And this is where I'm healing big time now. But um, so I um, I took, I, as as a heroin addict, people think that you have to shoot it. And that's the only way people do that. I, I am not a needle lover. I hate needles, okay? You, you can't... God, I don't want to tell people how to, there's other forms of doing it besides injecting it. People just think that if you're a heroin addict, you're a junkie that lives under the bridge, mm. you know, with the other labels <laughs> somehow. No, um, but that's how I, that's how I OD'd. And I remember telling my now ex-husband, I'm going to kill myself. Give me a syringe. He literally gave me a syringe for a bag of dope. That's how much I was worth to him. And uh, so, yeah, I went to the bathroom and uh, filled that syringe up with heroin. And we all know these days, I think it's, first of all, not street quality anymore. <laughs> um, a lot of it's labeled or a lot of it's, you know, with the fentanyl. And I knew by not being in, you know, a needle user that how to do an overdose. So I filled that sucker up. And um, that's when I had that, that near death experience. Um, and, um, like most people say I did, I knew where I was going. I knew I was going home and that's where I wanted to be. And that's why sometimes it's hard because when I hear other people's NDEs experiences, they got a choice to stay. And for some reason, I'm not not that I'm bad, but, um, I know people get it, you know, want to, and I will go into detail. Mine wasn't as, as colorful as most people's mine was pleasant though. Cause I knew I was home and, um, it did, it looked like a planet. Somebody else has told me they've experienced this and I was outside the gates of what maybe you'll label as heaven. Um, quicker than a second it's crazy how you can be somewhere else in a different time and dimension and space and my body um my personality was still predominantly there but it's like a formless shapeless wave like structure it's weird how to explain your body in a soul way with so many different colors in it but formless and um like I said, it looked like a planet. There was green grass. There was trees. There was like a stone structure around it. And there was a man. And um, like I said, I call him Bob, just to give him a generic name because it's not like he introduced himself. <laughs> right. And and like I say, I know this guy is like, Lindsay, stop calling me that. <laughs> and I was like, Bob, really? That's the only thing you can come up with? <laughs> Other people say, God. The, the almighty, the powerful Bob. <laughs> you guys yeah. got it wrong. No. <laughs> and <laughs> so this, this man was wearing like what looks like a Roman, like this, uh, I say toga. When I look up toga, maybe I'm saying it wrong. Like the, mm. the reminds me of something from Spartacus, like the, mm. the short dress kind of looking potato sack outfit. Is that, can I give you a visual there? Mm. No, what's crazy is he had this purple, sash with golden like emblems on it and 
fast forward a little bit, because trust me, I wanted answers. This is when, you know, what did the sash mean? What did all this mean? In, in biblical or spiritual terminology, they're called counsel, is what people call them, the counsels of God, the holy people. Um, and he had a shaved head. He, I swear, I swear to God, he was wearing glasses and he had like a clipboard, you know? And, and trust me, this is not, this is a great experience to end with, hey, I was a drug addict and here's this experience. So it's whatever, because the crazy part is that other people's NDEs who didn't involve drugs or any addiction or whatever, we still match up. That's what's beyond coincidence. And um, how people are like, hey, no, you're not crazy because I was there too. So, hey, I'm just saying. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I remember in that place, I just said, I said, don't you say it. Don't you say it. And he said, Lindsay, he was very nice. Very nice. Of course. He said, you got to go back. And boom, I'm on the ground. And there's, I am now on the floor of the bathroom because I was on the toilet seat. And um, there was vomit everywhere. I was terrified. I was terrified because I did not want to be back here. I did not want to be back here. This place is so emotionally, has been emotionally difficult for me, right? And, um, and now I've got around a community of um, people who've had these experiences. I hadn't been around other people who are in this, same spiritual mindset because my God, you feel absolutely crazy when you've had these experiences. If you've already been labeled as something too, it just adds on top of your labels of labels on top labels, you know? And they're like, oh, she was really nice. She told her story. And then she said the crazy crap, you know, like I believe in contracts. I came across a, I'm going to say an accredited psychic medium because um, I'm, also a skeptic on people who are good at reading others too, but I do believe in gifts, you know, and I do believe that my life connects the dots to where it needs to. Like, it's really just bizarre that way. Things happen the way they need to happen for me. I could think I'm at the right. I think I, I could think that I'm just doing something that doesn't matter in my life, like taking a friend down to the next city. And then all of a sudden I've ran into a group yeah. of like-minded spiritual people who have, fallen in love with me, who own a spiritual store, who now have put me onto this path of enlightenment, you know, like of just incredible, does that, you know, I'm just summing it up really, I guess, quickly, like just by simply thinking I'm taking a friend to drop her <laughs> off somewhere, That's a you know, it, it's just, it's just weird. And um, so there's this one, and the word psychic medium, I, I don't know. Um, her name is Christy Peterson. And um, I met her at like a holistic kind of spiritual fair where people get together. And um, I was like, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. You know, I had my friend go first because I wanted to see if she was going to tell him. Right. I'm very analytic. I have an emotional brain, but I am logical after that. If you catch me doing tarot, I'm going to listen to five different tarot ones to see if they all pull the same cards. OK, so my theory at this point was I'll pay for his reading. Right. Because I want to see what she says to him, because then let's see if she does the generic same thing to me. 
right? Makes sense. <laughs> well, um, you know, when I went to, when I sat down with her, um, you know, she goes, she goes, how do I put this? She goes, without any judgment on me, um, she goes, do you believe in extraterrestrials? And I said, yes, I do. She goes, they're your spirit guides. And I was like, I could have told you that. <laughs> like, that doesn't baffle me at one bit, especially with what I've experienced and seen, you know. And um, she says, you're here on a contract. You're here on a... And I was like, that must have been what good old Bob had pulled out there. Huh? <laughs> like, you know, Lindsay's contract that she signed up for here, you know. And um, she says, you're not meant to die. I said, well, yeah, I get that now. It's like corporate stepped in and said, hey, Lindsay, we're just letting you know, we're personally telling you, you're not going to die anytime soon, <laughs> you know? And obviously, um, I believe this. I believe this, and my life even lets me, uh, like, I know everything is happening the way it needs to happen. And I keep hearing the words, you need to write a book, write a book, write a book. And I swear to God, when I hear the message more than, like, three times, <laughs> Maybe I should write a book. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Do you understand? Does that make sense? Am I crazy? Uh, you can call me crazy. It's fine. I've been no. told worse. <laughs> well, if um, you come on, come on. Let's, let's so if if some of the, the listeners are thinking, what the hell is she on? Um oh, have you yeah. never had gut feeling? Have you never oh. had had a very strong sense of I need to get out of here? So what was it? that you picked up there what was what was telling you that there is something not right here you're in danger get the hell out of here um so something you picked up you could say okay maybe there was a person in there that gave you the the 95 non-verbal communication that you picked up hang on he's looking far too long at me that's a psychopath sociopath get the fuck out of here um mm -hmm. yeah maybe um, but there's so many other times where people switched seats, why they didn't know, or they, they decided, no, I will not get on this plane. Couldn't tell you why, etc. Yeah. Um, we're sitting on a green light and we're convinced, no, I, I shouldn't drive now. Next thing is <laughs> police chase comes through and mm -hmm. things like that. You could say, oh, they've, they've listened to the sirens or something like that. Yeah, it could be. Um, but there are many, many stories like that out there. There's a bit more to it, in, in, in my opinion, than just, oh, no, these are just some some senses that you have picked up, etc. So, yeah. no, there's there's more out there. And, and there's not necessarily something wrong with harnessing such powers. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved it how you accepted it, that there are good things out there and that there are bad things out there. Mm -hmm. uh, because the same powers, the same voices could not just tell you, hey, it's enough to, to stop hurting yourself and actually maybe do X. But it could, of yep. course, also tell you, hey, look, um, the world is evil. This guy is evil. Why don't you take him out? Um, and that's really, really hard. So there are voices out there. There are some people who have good schizophrenia. And they very literally hear voices. Yes, the, tele yep. the television told me to kill him. Yep. And hmm, hang on there for a moment. Um, so that's the hard line. So at the same token, 
I certainly in my life have had experiences that were that you can't really explain. And they are there. I've lived these experiences and I can't rationalize them away. I can't, yeah. I can't yeah, prove that that I'm I'm wrong or that this was a psychotic episode or whatever. Yeah. No, not really. That was something I've experienced. So mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that, but I think I, I strongly believe in in doing good things and yep. making sense out of trauma. And I think that is whatever whatever it took for you to get your message that it's time to change. And however, you dress that up in your own belief system. I love it that you're so generic in in <laughs> the description of god energy power whatsoever Um, because i don't want to offend anybody because god forbid if i say one wrong word somebody's like jesus Mm. christ is the this is fine i believe in them too just whatever like mad libs just fill in just fill in whatever word that works for you (laughs) don't focus don't focus on that focus on the message in between there (laughs) i like that i like that a lot I like that a lot, <laughs> especially if that message says you are worth something. You are. Yes. Don't give up. Um, it's not your time can mean so much. Um, I I had recently saved someone's life without knowing that I did. And it was just by a telephone call, by getting in touch. And that person had lost all hope. And I called out of the blue and this call, which was not, I hadn't had it anywhere in a calendar or something like that. I just thought, hey, I should ring that, that, that person. And that person later told me, wow, it was your phone call that made me switch around. So how the heck did I think after many months of no contact, did I think then and there about that person? And actually followed through and made that call. So I I get it. Like, um, I go to these, I I didn't even know they existed, but um, this lady who owns this kind of spiritual store does groups where I get to be around psychics and healers and all, you know, all really awesome people. And um, this psychic who wasn't trying to promote herself or be like, here's my car, give me a call. Like all of a sudden, because I felt awkward because I didn't know anybody in there. She goes, like at the end, she she looks at me. She goes, "Did you start a new chapter?" And I'm like, "What is? Well, what do you mean? I got divorced. Like, <laughs> is that a new chapter?" She goes, and I was like, "You're the psychic. Like, tell me." <laughs> and um, yeah. Well, I mean, because I I haven't I don't really have too many people that have died that you know, you know, with the whole spirit thing, like just grandparents. And when she goes, "You've helped many people," and um. I bet I have. The problem is I just never really thought that I did anything except screw up myself in this life. And um, just like you were given that example of um, saving somebody's life, I think a lot of times we do help people. We just never maybe get to see the rewards of that or know. And that means everything when you hear that, that you really changed me or you really inspired me. You know, by by doing this, just that one podcast where, my God, I was like, 
Yeah, I saw, you know, there wasn't too many bad comments, but there were some, and I was like, oh, please don't shame and guilt me, you know, <laughs> like, um, but by seeing people say, um, I loved how honest you were, I, I, I struggle, or I've struggled, or I've lost somebody, or I'm going to an AA meeting right now, um, saying positive things that I help them, that means the world to me. Isn't it? So Murphy, I that's, will, sorry. No, oops. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll go for it. <laughs> um, you know, out of those, out of a hundred comments, you know, ninety-nine of them, ninety-nine percent could be good, and that one percent, depending on my mind frame, could take oh, me or break me. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, and I work please. on that. Please, because, because I almost wanted to give up and go like, why did I come back? Why did I come back? Because I'm not enlightened enough for this mm. channel <laughs> and I'm not, I'm too traumatic for this mm. channel. Mm. So what do you want me to do here universe? Mm. And I, you know what I learned, I was learning fear is what I believe. I'm learning to face my own fears about what I thought mm. I was worth, you know? And, um, said, you know what? Some people aren't going to be believe or agree with me or whatever. And you know what? F them. Because Rem yeah, remember, they are one in 10 have got a personality disorder, and you know that well because you were at one stage, someone suggested that you had one too. Mm -hmm. Um, the, but having said that, there are one in 10 people are not the nice people, and there's one in 10, uh, one in 100, I do apologize, is, is a psychopath and a sociopath. Mm -hmm. So, here you go, these are the chances. So, guess what? All these trolls out there on the internet. Uh, they're having a great time. They can feed their own needs uh, very nicely by just trying your life. And it can be, sometimes it can be as bad as one bad look if you're in a relationship and your life comes tumbling down. And when you're in, the, in, when you're, so when you're just in the, in the right vulnerable moment and someone just pulls the rug from underneath you with one look, one glance, one word, or one email, one reply to your podcast. Um, so it is hard, bloody hard. Mm -hmm. But then again, this is where you are speaking out because you're you're sharing those sensations, those 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 feelings with others. Because others will have the same, exactly the same same thing. Their imposter syndrome. Their their my God, I'm not good enough. Why? How could I possibly do X? Well, by us to sharing here and by us to actually opening up, maybe we can show them that it's okay to try. It's okay to go out there and try to make sense of whatever happened to you in your life. Um, it might uh, pay to look at how you contributed to those things that happened to you, because it always takes two to tango. And there are always three sides to a story, his, yep. hers, and, and the, the truth. truth isn't it? <laughs> so yes, exactly. So I think the bottom line is there is, uh, with everything in life, you you have to step back and practice a bit of mindfulness and, and, and uh, just 
accept some things you cannot change, change the things you can, and yep. please find out the difference the between the two <laughs> <Yeah>. of them. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We've been there a few times. Uh, and I was, but in all fairness, when, when I walked into rehab, there was this big serenity prayer there. And I read it and I thought, wow, how did they know how I feel? <laughs> have, they, have they hung that up for me? You know, that was a message for me. Talk about <laughs> messages, okay? And, the definition of insanity. <laughs> oh, yeah, true, true, true. But here is the serenity prayer. I carry it on me um, every single day since rehab. And it means a hell of a lot. The weight of this metal pressing against my chest, that is, I feel that. And that's the serenity prayer. And that reminds me. And it's not something I hold on to, but it is, yeah. it is this little, okay, yeah, okay. You choose your battle, in other words. And yeah. I've chosen too many for the wrong reasons. And um, yeah, so no, it is. Uh, wow, Lindsay, I mean, we had touched a lot of things, some things controversial, <laughs> some things that other people right. say, oh, come on, you lost me half an hour ago. Um, yeah. and, and that's okay. Uh, that's okay, because the reality is uh, not everything is for everyone uh, in my show. But it was an honest exchange and an honest, an honest talk about things that other people don't talk about. And I think that's important. Um, you guys out there, you draw your own conclusions. You need to find your own truth, your own belief system that you yeah. say, okay, I'm I'm happy with that. I'm content with with putting all my experiences into that belief system. Um, and I think that's that's. Uh, that's a very positive outcome if you can mm -hmm. take it from that point. Mm -hmm. But it will be a rocky road. There's no two ways around it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you said you said seven rehabs and then some uh, plus some run-ins with the law, etc. Sometimes you you need you need time to actually heal. Not sometimes. I look at sorry. I look at those people. You know probation office as actually people that I don't I'm not saying like actual angels but helpers in my life I don't you know I, no matter where I've been at and how far down I've fallen there's always been people to help me which is beautiful so. if you let them so but that, that's right but for that I mean that's you're coming full circle here we are talking now the 12 steps again the first step is that you actually have to accept that you're in trouble. And the second step is that you have to accept that that there is actually help out there. Um, and you know, these are these are the things. So if you're still in the 95% of addicts realm where you say, nah, there's nothing wrong with me, nah, 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 nah. That's then welcome to addiction. That is a hallmark of addiction that you believe that all, all the things that you're doing, they're absolutely normal. That is just yep. fine. Yeah. Right. You and get used to the darkness. Mm, well, exactly. And that's that's 95% of, of addicts, of alcoholics will be like that. Mm -hmm. But then one day something will shake you to the deepest foundations. And that is when recovery truly starts. That's when you suddenly open up. And some people like Lindsay have to go to extremes. Um, but <laughs> hey. You know, whatever it takes, um, you are here with the message that no, nah, it's not time. And if they don't want me, and whilst I'm putting up, 
I don't know where you've been. Okay, so <laughs> heaven, hell, yeah. hmm, who cares? Um, bottom line is you found your voice. And that is the voice of, of recovery. And that is the voice of, of, of giving hope. And that's a beautiful voice. And we need to hear that because there are too many people out there who live in the darkness and who have, got, who have lost the hope. So that's really, really good. And for that, I, I commend you. And for that, I, I'm grateful to you because the more we are all can, can spell it out that there is hope, there that is. the better this, this world can be. And, and you said it already, you heard a few times, write this book. And indeed, this woman has written the book, or nearly written the book, shall I say. Yeah, I'm just, I'm learning. I don't, I'm using Amazon. I don't know. But like I said, it's called the, the um, Cycle of Sevens. Huh. But um, I have it for release on December 7th. Yay. Perfect. <laughs> okay, cool. And yeah. when people, if people want to get in touch with you, how could they do that? What is the best way for you? Um, I mean, I just really have Facebook and an email. Mm -hmm. Um, That's you want to link that yeah I, I don't, but, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> guys look down there into the description of the the podcast and of the youtube well, show i don't <laughs> i don't have fancy websites oh anything. no no, sorry. no 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 you are you are a fledgling <laughs> author and you have found your voice and sometimes once you've taken the first step of action there's no way of stopping you because there's so much wanting to come out so I'm I'm looking forward to having you back in a year or two uh, to yeah. actually see the new Lindsay, the new and improved version 2.0. Um, uh -oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, watch out, world. That's right. <laughs> but no, the, the reality is we all are on our path. We all are changing. And, and those people that come onto my show, they have gone through hell and back. They have been in very dark places and they are now no longer taking life for granted. And that is the most beautiful position that you can be in, that you cherish every second that life gives you, that you go yeah. out there and and, and kiss life, uh, a French kiss the morning, honestly, because yeah. it is it, right Appreciate now. You, everything. Exactly. Right now, you know, this is what you have. Be grateful for it. And you don't know what the next second brings. So there you go. Yeah. Lindsay, that was an amazing interview. Thank you so I much know. for your honesty. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, because thank you for almost standing me up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, you know, really. and officially, this is the longest interview or the oh, longest crap. time that I set in this chair, keeping in mind oh. that we waited an hour for I each know. other. So that that's cool. But it was meant to to happen. And that is absolutely cool. Hey, right. Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. And thank you guys, you. you guys out there, look after yourself. There is hope. There is a way out. You might not be able to see it right now, but there is a way out. Believe me. Um, don't give up. Um, stay strong. I believe in you guys. Look after yourself. Bye. All right. Bye.